So now in our in our lives, in training, we're moving to something called retreat. For many of us, it's not that different or drastic change. We're used to this kind of shift of tempo and uh, orientation. Still, it's always uh, a very sound uh, point to make beginnings. Things have an apparent beginning. We make use of that to um, review um, both what we've inherited, what's come to us, and the nature of mind, citta, awareness. So citta is these two fundamental um, aspects. One has an aspect of knowing, awareness, which doesn't do anything by itself. It's just open, reflective. And then we have another aspect which is about being affected and responsive. We, we, we are moved, we are touched, we are interested, we are inspired, we are annoyed. It's kind of rippling. So it's rather like a lake, which is always, lake always has some reflection on it. And it's mostly, it's moving. Two aspects. And if it gets very mobile, we lose the reflection. And it becomes extremely choppy. You can't read. You can't understand. You can't get discernment going. Because you can't really read what the, the ripples, what they're doing. What they're telling you. Yeah. There's a rock here. There's a, you know, a tree stump sticking up here. It's surface is so broken up we can't really read the messages of the ripples. So that need for calming. So that our reflection can as it scans the lake, wisdom arises. This is where I get stuck. This is where I get agitated. This is where I get uh, impetuous or despondent. Underneath this, there's an obstacle. Look in here. It's calm and insight. Lead to wisdom. Wisdom leads to the removal of these obstructions, which are, you know, different layers of it, hindrances, and asava outflows, fundamental unconscious reflexes. We don't decide to have them, we don't make them happen, they're just running under the surface. Like the streams pouring into a lake, filling it up with potential to be moved, rippled, stirred. One does need some understanding of this, even just to get an idea of it. 
Everything that occurs in that lake is taken very personally. One feels guilt, regret, misunderstandings, and so on. Trying to make it work. When it's taken personally, the person tries to make it work. Blames itself because they can't make it work. Actually, the person is just a ripple. (laughs) Or a series of ripples. Can't calm the lake. Mm. Person can understand, begin to recognize that, and say, well, what is this? This experience, chitta, heart, awareness. What happens here? Just as phenomenological, just as sheer process. And that does tend to help a lot, just to lift out of the engagement with it all. And of course the other fundamental requirement is a good deal of uh, heartfulness, compassion, kindness, equanimity, gladness. We don't just contract into some little safe space willing to touch what's difficult with a mind of goodwill. Mm. It's really necessary, otherwise we do tend to just find a a little place we're not going to be bothered. Hold on to that. Mm. And that builds up, kind of lock some stillness in. Protect. Understandable. But uh, a fairly short-term benefit, long-term consequences aren't good at all. A really wide span. Wide span requires a lot of uh, good heart. So these terms, heart, awareness, mind, these can all be used to describe what jitta is about. Everything lands on it, everything touches it. Anything that happens, it affects it, somewhere or another. So often we, as we do, we begin our practices with uh, two kinds of themes, one of forgiveness, the other sharing, merit, gratitude. These help to widen our perspectives from the purely personal. It's truly when we ask forgiveness, it's not, it's a widening into a sense of compassion. Mistakes are inevitable. Yeah. Because, uh, apart from anything else, you know, we're operating in this kind of medium of an internal reality, apparently an external reality. You know, external reality called things out there, you know, machines, tools, time, states, all stuff out there that we can move around with our hands or with our brains. 
you know, stuff like that. Objects, moving objects around of great suitable structures and organized things. And for that, it requires a particular kind of attention. A particular kind of attention. It's generally object oriented, quite closely focused. It's not necessarily endowing what we're doing with a quality of goodwill by itself, we just want to make it work. I don't give a blessing to the spade when I pick it up, I just pick it up and try to avoid breaking it. <laughs> know which end to use. And it might be a good idea to actually give a blessing to a spade that you might not break it. Internal reality is where we are uh, we sit and we meditate, we come back to that, and it's a different landscape. Because you can't just make things work, you can't switch things on and off, there's no manual there. Yeah. It's felt, and it doesn't just switch on and off, it doesn't operate according to rational principles. You're not separate from it, you can't pick it down and put it up, uh, put, it, put it down and pick it up, it's there. It's moving and shifting. Different mode of attention uh, operates in that domain. Much more sensitive emphasis on sensitivity and feeling for balances and you know, steadiness, sensitivity, responsiveness, and a feeling for how one steadies, calms, arouses. You know, Maintains, steadies its internal maintenance. Mm-hmm. So these are really a different mode of attention. You don't do that with a spade or a computer. It doesn't work. You just make sure the thing got the right button, right? Da 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 da. That's that. A particular kind of attention and intention, which is get the thing done. If I work at this hard enough, I'll get to the end of that. Then it's done. That mode of attention and intention doesn't work on the internal domain. In fact, it messes it up. (laughs) Trying to get it done doesn't work. Trying to push a button doesn't work. (laughs) Pairing with it. It's much softer, receptive, pairing with it opening to it, relaxing with it, breathing into it, bringing your heart into it, bringing the vitality of your body into it, bringing the brightness of your intentions into it. That works. If we know what work means, it means it arrives at a harmony. it's non-dualistic. It means eventually the process means that the jitta becomes unified. No longer somebody doing something. It's just the moderation of these factors, mindfulness, clear understanding, you know, you name them, all the skillful factors blending into our mind, our breath, our body, and they begin to melt together, quality of collectedness and composure. 
It's a different mode of operation. These two modes are operating all the time. And it's naturally there's a bit of conflict between the two. You know, we say something like, like 8 o'clock or 11 o'clock is a very meaningful, useful thing in terms of external realities. It's completely meaningless in terms of internal ones. And yet, it's quite important to, you know, get on the bus by 1 o'clock. Not when you feel like it or when your energy's ready for it or just at 1 o'clock. <laughs> Not when you're in the right mood, but at one o'clock. So that means sometimes you have to rush, or sometimes you hang around waiting because somebody hasn't turned up, or sometimes you don't feel quite energy's not right for it, but you do it. See, you know, and you, there's a certain sense you do that, and then you begin to, okay, ah, let's just relax now, steady up, and you know, let things pass come into harmony again. But of course these external realities are happening not just once a day but a lot of the time. And uh, and naturally there's a certain effect. We haven't necessarily processed all of the, you know, the pressures here or the waiting there or the that broke or she didn't understand what I was saying or why didn't so-and-so tell me about that? Uh, you know, why do I do this? Uh, nobody ever does that. That kind of thing. Going on. <laughs> yeah. oh. Because this is, this is the reality we're in. That's why. It's not personal. We can make it personal. Like he's uncooperative, or she's always late, or he never listens clearly, or... You know, it can make you very personal, suffer a lot, create enemies, okay, negative, or we can just like this, isn't it? We're in this. And whose fault is it? <laughs> That's what we're going to find out. Why doesn't the why doesn't the saw work? It's a, some it's the workshop manager's fault. Why doesn't the computer work? It's the uh, no no it's not it's not that doesn't that doesn't give you results. It doesn't work because it's like this. There's never been a system that works. They kind of work. Some of the time, most of the time, for some people, now and then, and to a reasonable degree of the rest of it, just what does work is the internal reality. And so we've got to return to that, because that can diffuse the stress, the expectations, the disappointment, the urgencies, the frustrations, the personal misunderstandings, you know. There was three of you in the kitchen, there was James, who really wanted to cook a lovely meal because it was his mother's birthday, and there was Toby, who was the larder manager, and really, really wants to get rid of the cabbage and onions because they're going off, and there's 
Lee who just turned up yesterday in the monastery, he doesn't really know much at all, he's never boiled an egg in his life, he's in the kitchen together. And they've got completely different internal realities going. Everybody's trying to do the best they can. James wants to do a really nice meal for his mother. Toby wants to get a larder, get rid of those cabbages and onions. And Lee just wants to survive his first day in the kitchen because he doesn't know where anything is, <laughs> doesn't know the people, doesn't know anything. He's just completely nervous. And he, you know, and yet they all, why is Lee so lazy? Why doesn't he? Because he doesn't know where the knives are kept. Why does Toby keep giving his cabbage? I want to cook. That's so nice for my mother. <laughs> Toby, why is James so demanding? He wants this, that, and the other. And then he's thinking, why do they don't like me? I'm trying to do the best I can. I want to make this work. Because they're all operating, you know, at that particular point. I mean, what does work, we all experience? Hey, guys, we all suffer. <laughs> And, uh, oh yes, oh yes, and we all feel we've got particular angles you want to have happen, yeah, that we value, they're all valuable, they all have words worthy of listening to, yes, ah, oh. okay, let's work it out, you know, and it's marvellous when there can be that, that resolution, that's what Sangha's about really, meeting these places of where these, you know, things don't line up. And instead of just uh, creating, you know, little grudge groups or blaming people or whatever, okay, we suffer. There is suffering. There is stress. And if we start with internal realities, you know, it would be nice to cook that with my mother, but actually probably best to just avoid creating stress and suffering and that would be from my mother's benefit <laughs> and my benefit and everybody's benefit yes it'd be good to get rid of the cabbages and onions but come on let's not make a mission out of it and let's have a bit of sympathy for Lee who just turned up yesterday he doesn't know what's going on <laughs> yes okay right that's where we are let me just work out you know, we well, could get something on the table by around about 11.30. They're not going to complain. Do the best you can. That's it. You know? Are you really trying to work out you know, the external? Because the one you can get right, really, is this internal quality. Don't we say we ask forgiveness? It's not like, you know, it's, it's come at all. And sometimes in the suttas it talks about having forgiveness to the sense realm. So it's not even personal, it's just recognizing it's always going to be these kind of, you know, conflict points where things are uncooperative or sharp or tasteless or bitter or, you know. And instead of creating that kind of resistance, tension around it, we widen and accept the dissonance. We widen and accept the dissonance. And, oh, yeah. and naturally when you accept dissonance, 
what happens is compassion. You don't have to cook up some compassion. The very acceptance of dissonance, compassion helps by itself. Dissonance not as a personal failing, <laughs> but as the first noble truth, the characteristic of, of conditioned reality. You know, meet it. First. And then we can pick up the pieces about, okay, let's try and do it this way, better that way, better this way, better that way, for now. And two weeks later, we can be doing it again. It's an ongoing theme, isn't it, in our lives? So we winding to do that. Because even nothing has particularly gone wrong for you or felt uncomfortable for you, just that sense of for sure it's happened for somebody. And opening to a quality of compassion for people who look a bit tense or withdrawn or you know, unsettled. We never go wrong with that. Because that's also, that becomes the domain, kindness and compassion becomes the atmosphere of your own dwelling. As you're also contemplating your own dissonances and absences and struggling places. You're trying to cover it with right and wrong, it's not going to work. And this quality of kindness and compassion is not just an idea like thanks a lot or sorry about that. <laughs> There's an energy to it. There's a heart energy. These heart energies are as real as anything else. We feel gladdened, you know what that feels like. If you're saddened, you know what that feels like. It's definitely a heart contracts, sinks, or rises. And the qualities of the Brahma-vihara, kindness, compassion, gladness, and equanimity, are steady, widening qualities. They don't surge up, they don't sink down. They get widen to include. And the wider, the more inclusive they can get, the more firm one's foundation becomes in that. So the qualities of Cynicism, self-criticism, fatalism, you know, blaming oneself or others, those don't get much foothold. Because the quality of the old world is not just sheer hatred, it's all the depression, you know, feeling of inadequacy, trying to be better than I am, perfectionism, comparing oneself negatively with others. Or comparing other people negatively with yourself. (laughs) Comparing how you were with how you are. Comparing how you are with how you should be. All that, you know. It's an illness of the will. Because when that's there, the heart can't move smoothly. So it's a sickness. Hits something and it just stays there. She's better than me. I can't try to be as good as he is. Well, that 
you feel what that feels like? It's a, there's an obstacle being created there. The pond shivers and can't expand. We belittle ourselves or strain ourselves. So it's widening. It's all there and it's all coming and none of it's personal. And then deepening into that, so it's an attitude of heart, mind, but you get qualities of certain, almost touching the ground, because you think, yeah, exactly. That's right. That's how it is, isn't it? These are the fundamental roots, or skillful roots. Non-violence, you know, that which doesn't blame, attack. Non-callousness, that which is sensitive, rather dismissive, or hard, skinned. Renunciation, that which doesn't prioritise the sense for yours, but prioritises the heart instead. These are three samasankapa bases. And they are founded on right view. Those are the qualities that are going to bring around skillful dhammas. The impersonal. The nature of them is to bring around skillful results. When you tune in to what's possible. These are, you know, in Buddha's presentation, these are prior to mindfulness. When your view is straight, your virtues are clear, then you establish mindfulness in three ways. The way the Buddha put it. So you get the heart right, and then you establish mindfulness in three ways. What are the three ways? Internally, externally, and both. No, internally and externally, both together. Internally, when we're dwelling in the what's felt, intuited, sensed. Externally, we we contemplate what's seen, you know, seemingly out there. Mindful of its change, mindful of its disappearance, mindful not to hang on to it, mindful to treat it with respect. And where the two meet, which is often the interpersonal domain, isn't it? When we are working together, living together, operating according to a group system. There's an external reality that we try to treat carefully with respect. And an internal reality, just how we're feeling at this moment. And mindful of these two, how to bring them together, blend them, so we can be living harmoniously. Mindful of that, you bring your right view, your right approach. It's not like you're doing this because it's military. No, that's not the right view, right approach. Doing this uh, because you're told to, no, it isn't the right view, that approach. Doing this because (laughs) the opportunity to receive the benefit of an external situation which is extremely simple, doesn't require a lot of 
tweaking and twiddling and managing so we can deepen more fully into our internal realities and come to terms with them One in this time, this occasion, there's that possibility to dwell internally, the internal aspect of body, its vitality, its breathing, its nervous or energy, whether it's soft or jittery, breathing through it. You know, when we say breathing, naturally people assume we're talking about something external that you can measure, like the length of the breath or air moving in and out of your lungs, but actually it's the internal quality of breathing is just this shifting of energy through the body, prana, life force. changes as you breathe in and breathe out, shifting of that. And as you dwell in that, if you contemplate that, you can pick up that quality, uh, focus on that quality, you realize it's there all the time. And it can bring relieve tension, make you feel more grounded, stabilized, and relax the emotions emotional and psychological stuff which is all wired up to they're all bound up together kaya sankara, citta sankara, vajji sankara bodily formative processes, breathing in, breathing out mental form, heart processes Impulses, perceptions, meanings, how they touch, cause us to be affected, gladdened, saddened, and verbal realities, our jumpy, chattering mind. It's, you know, you're living a meaningful life, you want to bring all those into harmony, breathing through, calming, steadying, witnessing, and that potential to let go of things. This is redundant. This is where the obstacle is. This is the wrong assumption. This is the wrong aim. Okay. This was too fast. This was too impulsive. That's where it went wrong. And used to clean one's house. So that uh, there's less of that. Uh, a pond, if you like, a lake of our chitta is much, uh, you can read it more clearly. Then you realize there is this ability to read it. We're not just a series of cause and effects. This, of course, is the liberation potential. We're not just cause and effect, there's also this. This uh, awareness, witnessing. But that isn't, doesn't stand out until one has done some work with the cause and effect. It's true in theory that when you 
There is some awareness of knowing you feel dull and sleepy, but uh, the Buddha certainly encouraged us not to, to feel to work against it. You know, you know, you don't just know you're dull and sleepy. You know, and you think this is a potentially dangerous state in which wisdom can't arise. So let's see if you can bring some energy up, strain the body, take a few breaths, walk up and down. Here I'm feeling cranky and nasty. What's happening here? Mm. Sourness of the will. Mm. Kindness, equanimity towards that. Not personal. Seems very personal. Everybody experiences this around something or the other. What's happened? One felt left out, excluded. It's often exclusion, inclusion. You know, you didn't get heard, you didn't get the same as everybody else, you felt lessened, and a kind of irritated experience. Mm. Meeting that. Goodwill. Mm. Rising above it. We're able to rise above it also because we have that capacity to appreciate. Although the causes and effects, we can see them as problematic ones, of course. And also, not to get mesmerized by it. Many beneficial effects that we've inherited through our own good fortune or good efforts and also through the efforts and skills of others and being in a suitable situation taking that in mudita and the modana very important to cultivate this because it's generally the the thorn in your thumb that you feel not the nine digits that don't have any thorns in them it's the one that hurts that you notice. You don't notice the ones that don't hurt. So you have to make an effort. Decline. Again, this means why often suffering tends to isolate you into a little tight heap around a particular topic or an identity. I'm not, I am, I'm not. Narrow field. My problems, my failures, beat myself up. Let me get into that narrowness. And we lose access to gladness. So it's kind of self acceptance, forgiveness. This is dissonance. It's not some uniquely personal experience. Can we accept that? Can we stop creating an issue out of it? Stop creating an identity out of it? Feel it just as that agitation in the heart, breathing through, widening, appreciate. A lot of good here. A lot of fundamental strength. 
the human beings have resilience beginning again there's a lot of uh, endeavours that people undertake for our welfare we're deeply gladdened by that and we all have the gift of consciousness and clarity to some degree, otherwise we wouldn't be here we all have an ethical orientation, otherwise we wouldn't be here but our sorrow is that sometimes we fail in that we say the wrong thing but that just is a learning place there's no point going to recriminations and tightening around it we are of nature to forget we are of nature to be while it's there, it's still there so we're going to touch into the gladness and the appreciation to derive replenishment replenishment filling up this is a very important aspect of practice and sometimes it's neglected if you're just uh, getting through a period of meditation the bell rings, you get that time when you just rise and yeah, we've done some work we've been through something we've held, we've met in a place of depth this is so normal in this cultivation field and rather rare in the world outside where people are just bouncing off escaping, distracting, blaming, jumping sinking, wailing lamenting we met Dukkha and wide, become wide and compassionate through that this is definitely the possibility ongoing possibility of our of our lives and this becomes established it's no longer a particular practice that you do you don't practice it in a, in a self-conscious way it's just the nature of the rightly balanced jitta it is how else can you meet the, the failing conditioned world in a way that's healthy getting frustrated getting upset no, it doesn't do it compassion how else do you receive benefit from this conditioned world consider a work project or something where you can drink in the good results are on the condition level yeah. mindfulness has arisen for me wow, great yeah. ethical clarity has arisen yeah, it doesn't always arise for everyone so you feel grateful for these kind of internal conditions that arise when they arise and become part of our, our reality so you name them, notice them and appreciate what's there 
in their own way, they'll do what the person can't do. Soothe, widen that lake, till the reflection becomes very clear, bright. This is our way the teacher taught, for very good reason. Because it's a path we can do, and that we must do, to fulfill what is needed for our welfare and happiness.